it's valuable and it cannot be held by physical hands, it's probably worth holding on to. This is Immaterial Treasures. I'm your host, Dan Fee Parker. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Immaterial Treasures. I have uh, some incredible guests today. I have Darnell Samuels <laughs> and uh, Samuel Say, the famous blogger and the no. podcaster, Darnell Samuels. And um, I'm really excited to have these guys. Um, I'm excited in one part because I respect them as individuals. I respect the way they communicate truth and I respect everything they stand for. And most importantly, they're my brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. We share common faith and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but our conversation arose from um, a post that Darnell had, which uh, was written by Sam Say. So the post um, was titled, Is Racism Worse Than Murder? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I read, I read the post because um, this is just, a, I think, proper etiquette on, on Facebook or any social media interactions. If you, someone posts something, give them the courtesy to read it mm-hmm. before you start like, commenting on it. So I read it. And then I thought about it. I thought about it. And I just kind of like was thinking through it, percolating it, but it just didn't sit well with me. Um, so then I, I commented on Daniel, uh, on Darnell's page and I said, Hey, this ain't it. I was like, I said, this ain't it chief. You know, I, I just straight up said, this ain't it chief. And when I put that, like I'd had time to think about it, but I just said, this ain't it chief. So he was like, and I told him, I was like, I'd love to discuss this with you guys, you know? Um, and he's like, sure, let's do it. He's like, let's, I was like, do you want to talk about it? Just come over and hang out and talk about it. Or do you want to podcast about it? He's like, Let's podcast. I'll get Sam and we can do this. So I was like, okay, great. You know, let's do it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. now we're here to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to give Sam and Darnell the benefit of the doubt. I want, to the, I want them to communicate exactly what they wanted the reader to understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I will communicate what I felt when I read it. Okay. If that's fair. And then we're just going to talk about other aspects of what's going on in the culture right now yeah. uh, and how we can navigate those troubled waters at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So, um, who do I start with? Do well, we go to well, the originate no, the writer first, or do we go to Darnell? No, well, like what you meant when you posted. Yeah, because yeah, because technically, uh, <laughs> I, I I started it right because <laughs> because of the post because like I posted I shared his article, but I I wrote above it. I put Sam say says things our pastors should say but can't say, and some won't say. This is definitely something Black Christians must consider, and so even that. Um, well, even though those are bold statements now, even now that I sit back and I think about it, I was just like, whoa, actually, I said that? Um, and so, and so, like, like the starting point, I think, for the conversation should be, um, why don't some pastors speak on these issues? Uh, yeah. And, okay, so when you said issues, what, what exactly were you getting at with the issue? What, what do pastors not speak on? Um, no, uh, the racial injustice that we're seeing, okay. um, the racial friction, um, and so forth, and yeah, social justice issues, and and this is this is not new. Um, this is something that's been going on, but as uh, as the um, situation gets worse, people are, especially Christians, are looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that we're looking at the whole situation, it, you're looking for your leaders to come and say something, right? And even then, that's challenging, and that's why I said, you know what? There's there's things that Sam's saying that our pastors should say. But some of them can't say. Right. And I don't think a lot of people understand, like, yo, sometimes, yo, like, you know, your pastor can't even touch that. And that's why, you know, not putting Sam on a pedestal, but like Sam say and other bloggers or um, podcasters, it's, it's helpful that because mm-hmm. they can say they can speak freely and no one's going to 
leave the church because of Sam. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, right. And why do you why do you think um, most pastors have a hard time saying these things? Like, what what do they have to lose? <laughs> The congregation, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I understand that. But what is so divisive about um, race race issues? Like race what? Issues. Why? What is it about race that becomes a political issue and not mm. a theological issue? Mm. Oh, I think I think the 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 main problem is guys like me and you. Meaning, mm. uh, we're two black guys. We disagree. We have two different perspectives on these racial issues. So for, for our white friends, right? They're like, um, I like what Daffy's saying, or actually not. I like what Darnell's saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And so now, now it becomes political. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now it's become political because of guys like me and you and Sam. And I think we need to remember that. Um, I think every pastor addresses race. Uh, it's impossible to preach the Bible and not to address race. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible doesn't, it's very clear in the Bible. So I think every single pastor addresses race. The question is, do they address it in the biblical way or outside of that from, we think, the right way? See, the issue with these current events, these incidents with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, is that you are addressing not just the race issue, but how to understand why those guys were killed. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer a race issue in that sense. It becomes, well, do you think he was killed because he was black or not? Mm -hmm. And then if you're a pastor, you're moving away from what the Bible says about the race issue and then really injecting your view, theologically or not. Well, every view is theological, right? But still, mm -hmm. you're still in, um, injecting or sharing your views on it. So for some of them, they might feel, well, I can just address what the Bible says about race in general, mm -hmm. but what if... When I say what I say, my opinions on why he was killed or not is going to offend a Dunphy, a Samuel, or even I don't know a Lloyd, uh, a white I don't know like some white guy called Lloyd Michael. I don't know. <laughs> <The dishes> guy <laughs> named Lloyd. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's different. I, I think if pastors weren't addressing race at all, that's a problem because then that means you're not preaching the text. Mm -hmm. But if you're not addressing every single issue within our culture that addresses that we think has to do with race, it's not quite the same thing. It's mm -hmm. like some pastors may not address, um, I don't know, um, environmentalism or something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're not addressing how we should think about the climate through the Bible. It just means that maybe when there's a protest out there about climate change, they think they don't need to address that particular instance. So I think that's a difference here, right? Yeah, uh, but I would also add, like, for example, uh, I spoke to some pastor friends of mine, and they were all saying, well, you know, we have to practice godly wisdom and let, you know, wait for the story to unfold. So I was looking at James chapter one, um, verse 19, where it says, uh, you know, use godly wisdom, be slow, uh, quick to listen, mm -hmm. slow to speak, slow to anger, let the pieces fall where they may. So, so there, there's a sense where, you know, patience mm -hmm. is a virtue and, and letting all the um, pieces fall before you make any harsh judgments. Right. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's smart for them. Um, but for guys like, you know, me, you and Sam, uh, you know, we don't have to practice that much wisdom. Mm -hmm. Well, I, <laughs> I, I think about what I post. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean every word that I post. You yeah, know no, what I'm I mean? Like, like, and I know, yeah, I know, I know. But no, but in a sense, like, you don't, you don't like, think, oh. you don't have to think about a whole congregation. Yes, yes. That's that, what you're that, saying. Yeah, that's my point. Right. Yeah, you don't have to think um, about that. <laughs> now, I, you said something earlier, like, you know, it begins, like, you having a different opinion from mine creates this kind of, like, tension. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that tension can sometimes be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, I find that, like, when two white people disagree, right, mm-hmm. it's not a matter about their color. It's just a matter about their ideas. Mm-hmm. So we can, even even if you're a bystander, a minority looking mm-hmm. into it, you don't look at it like, oh my gosh, this guy's denying the white race by not agreeing with the other one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when two black people disagree, oh boy. now it becomes a race issue. Uh-huh. Uh, you are. Right? <laughs> now it becomes like, yeah. you're less black mm. because you don't agree with me. Yeah. And... Um, I'm more black because I'm in, you know, the the majority thought of this issue. I have to guard myself from that. And I'm sure you guys have to guard yourself from that, you know. Um, But what I want to get to, I want to get to the very details of this whole topic. I want to ask Sam what exactly you were thinking Mm -hmm. when you wrote that and what you wanted to communicate. What did you want your readers to get out of that? Yeah. Um. Wait, out of the out of his article, uh, yeah, is racism? Article. It was ra- is racism worse than murder? Right? Yeah. Okay. The yeah, I'm glad uh, you asked that question. I thought about it. I know that title is provocative. The thing is, I don't try to be provocative yeah. with the titles. It's oftentimes the titles are thoughts that come to my head mm-hmm. as I'm looking at how people are thinking or how oh. I'm thinking. Yo, sorry. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I just wanted to preface his remarks because I was watching him do a podcast. Um, prior to this article being released. So mm-hmm. I, it was like a two-hour podcast, and I was just sitting there watching. And out of the two hours, he he just he made a statement. He's like, yeah, like for some black people, you know, racism is worse than murder. You know, I wrote that down, and I was like, okay, wow, this is the deepest thing I walked away from. You know, three days later, boom, there's an article. And I was yeah. like, man, this guy's fast. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's because I had, I had that, I had considered that particular issue before. But in that particular interview, when, as I was thinking, it came to mind and I said it. And I thought about it before I said it, right. so I mean it. But then I thought, you know what? That's something I'm, I'm going to have to flesh out some more. So let me write an article about it. Right. And that's why three days later yeah. I, mm-hmm. I wrote that. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason why I say that is because... Um, so these are things that I, could, I think about a lot. Like I've, um, I'm very passionate about... You know, I work, you know, I work for a pro-life organization called the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. It's a pro-life group. Mm-hmm. And um, I can tell you the main reason why, I mean, I want to save every baby I can. But the main reason why I want to do that is because I want to save black babies. Um, you know, when I was 19, I wanna, <laughs> I'm going to try not to cry here because it still gets me every time. Uh, when I was 19 and I had an, opp- an opportunity to, um, to essentially rescue one of my black friends' life. Um, black friends, she, she got pregnant. And she asked me, Sam, what would you say to a girl considering an abortion? I didn't know at the time she was pregnant. I didn't know that she was in her way. That's her way of asking me for help. Mm. And I simply said, I don't know what to. I mean, I didn't care about abortion at the time. I learned a year later that a few days after I said, I don't know, she went and got an abortion. So that's something that's been bothering me for a long time. And then I'm grateful that I had the chance to um, you know, do an internship with CCBR. That's the organization. And then I became... Uh, part of the staff. So I'm very passionate about the abortion issue. And one of my jobs, one of the things that I'm pers- personally working on is how to recruit more black people to care about abortion. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because abortion is killing about 400,000 black American babies a year. Since um, Roe v. Wade was passed in America in 73, 18 million black babies have been killed by abortion. 12 million, okay, 12 million Africans were moved, well, were forced out of Africa to the New World, right, to the Caribbean and America and Europe. That is 18, so 18 million babies being killed, black Mm -hmm. babies being killed, 12 million slaves being forced out of Africa. That's not to say slavery wasn't horrible, it it was awful. But I'm trying to put those numbers into perspective. 18 million babies in New York, there are more black babies being killed than they are being born. Mm. That is not a major issue for so many people I talk to. You know, when I bring it up sometimes, they're like, yeah, you know, people aren't aren't passionate about it. So when I'm on the streets and I'm talking to people, I'm talking to black women, black, black, uh, black men, and they're saying, yeah, they don't really care about abortion issue. When I hear Black Lives Matter, the the movement, the organization, they're saying, they're, you know, Black Lives Matter, but they are very pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. That really, really disturbs me. Also, this is, <laughs> some people don't like it when this is brought up, but this is true, you know, in that there are a lot of black men that get killed by other black men. Mm-hmm. That's a major issue. So when so many people aren't focusing on abortion or what they call black-on-black crime, when those things are swept under the rug, but then when we see, and rightly, we see a black man being killed by a white person or a white cop, and we are rightly upset about it. But then, when we care about that so much, why do we care about that? Is it because a black man is being killed? Or is it because it's whom is killing the black man? Mm. And is it because of why we think the black man is being killed? Because if a black baby is being killed, We've gotten used to that. That's like, okay, that's fine. If a black man gets killed by another black man, we, we don't like it. But we're not as outraged about it as it is when it's a white person or especially a white cop. So the point wasn't to minimize, you know, um, a potentially racist event. That wasn't mm. the point. The point is to say, what is it in us that is making us more outraged about this particular racist um, murder than other murders? And then the reasoning is, it's because, in my theory, it's because racism obviously has had a huge impact on we black people. Mm -hmm. And because of that now, we have elevated certain kinds of murders over other murders because we think some of these murders are potentially racist. Mm -hmm. And if if racism is the thing that makes us care more about uh, Arbery or a Floyd more than the other murders... That is concerning because I don't think God sees it that way because God, all murders are evil. All murders are worthy of his attention. And if that's the case, it should be worthy of our attention. That was the point of the article. Well, that's well said. And a lot of new, a lot of background information um, (laughs) that would have probably cured my uh, reactions if I would have heard all the different angles in which you were coming from. Um, to, to be fair to you, I, I probably, I'm sure I didn't articulate myself very well in the article, which, you know, so I can't fault you just for that. I'm sure if I had worded myself better. That yeah. Would be and, and, you know, it's not a matter about, I mean, everybody knows you're a good writer and communicator. So it's, it's not a matter of whether, you know, and I'm also conscious of the fact that when you write, you can't say everything. Mm-hmm. 
You can say things clearly and effectively, but you can't cover every angle. Um, and I guess when I read the article, first of all, the you did <laughs> the the title was provocative <laughs> for me. <laughs> and so when I yeah. when I read that, I was like, "Whoa, what does he mean by that?" You know what I mean? Because for me, when I read the art uh, the title before I read the article, I I th immediately thought racism and murder have been in the same bed historically in America. Mm. So I was like, what is he, what is he trying to put one over the other? And I was like, uh, I started thinking like, well, lynchings and all these things that happened yeah. were all because it was motivated by race, you know, and straight up murder, pinning petty crimes on black people just to justify taking their lives or creating a narrative that they were inferior so it's not like you're actually lo losing a full human, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I, I started thinking in those in those categories of like, well, racism and murder is, is like, they work hand in hand, you know? So I thought about that in, in, in the first, my first uh, approach to it. And then I read the article. And another thing that stuck out to me was the fact where you said uh, um, black on black crime, you know, what, what about black on black crime? How come we don't get outraged by it, right? And I thought, Okay, this is an argument I hear from a lot of white faces. What about black on black crime? And I never know what they're trying to get at. Mm. So then when you, when you said that, I was like, okay, this sounds like what I would hear from white people that I've encountered mm -hmm. that use that to almost minimize the situation that's mm -hmm. happening, right? Mm -hmm. And so the title for me seemed like, this, I walked away from it, I was like, you know, it seems like if my wife, Amy, died from just natural cause, right mm -hmm. and then my neighbor found out and i was grieved by the murder like i mean by the death of my my wife mm -hmm. but my neighbor comes over and i just i mean maybe a year before amy passed away god forbid mm -hmm. since he passes away his wife got murdered mm -hmm. and he comes up to me and he says man i i feel for you but at least your, your wife didn't get murdered mm -hmm. like mine did mm -hmm. you know he puts his pain over my situation and completely disregards what's going on. So in one sense, I thought you were doing that to the masses. It's like, mm. you're telling them, you know, murder's like, what about black and black crime and, mm. and murder's mm. great, you know? As mm. I felt that and I was mm. like, is this what he means? Mm. And then on the other hand, I also thought about the aspect of like black on black crime and there's just as much black on black crime as there is, you know, cops killing, you know, uh, black individuals, white cops killing black individuals. And I thought the reason why the black community don't go out and riot over black on black crime is the same reason um, that if your son went out and committed a crime and the cop brought him home, you deal with the situation in your house. You don't go outside and pick it and say, you know, look what my son did. And I'm, I'm upset about it. You deal with it internally. You talk to your son, even though he has a free will and he can do whatever he wants when he leaves the house. You, you're like, you can't, you can't behave this way. Now, if, if a cop, if your son runs home and he has witnesses, his friends are with him and he finds out that a cop mistreated him, your complaint now goes outside of the home. And I think this is the dynamic that I see when it happens, when it comes to a white cop killing a black cop, because now it's public. It's on video. It's an mm -hmm. outrage, mm -hmm. right? And then black on black crime is an internal situation that there's a lot of initiatives in America mm -hmm. that is happening to trying to lessen the violence, talk mm -hmm. to the youth, I've been in those situations, living in um, Los Angeles, being in this program I was in, mm -hmm. dealing with kids straight up from the projects, trying to get through their head that the guy that lives in the next neighborhood is not actually your enemy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to the point where buses would come in. I would come from uh, the projects, the uh, Imperial 
our gardens, Imperial Courts. We bus in kids from there. There's kids from Nickerson Gardens. And we'd have to wait until the other kids got off the bus and sat on the other side of the church mm-hmm. before we can bring our kids in because there would be a fight right away on mm-hmm. site. Mm-hmm. So I know that there is a community of people, not just yeah. in Los Angeles, in Everywhere. many places in America that are doing the silent work, that are unseen doing mm-hmm. this work. And it's an, it's an internal work that doesn't get paraded constantly. So it's, it's, it seems as though we're not outraged, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. people who grieve over black on black crime. Mm-hmm. And there's other factors that goes into it. Does that make sense? What yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, for sure, there are many people uh, out there who are um, doing great work. That's true. And, um, and, and I know some of these guys actually too. There are many people who are very passionate about this issue. What I would say, I think, again, no one should be minimizing the great work that's being done there. Mm-hmm. But um, now maybe we won't agree on this, but I would say there's way more energy being put on what other people are doing, as in non-black people are doing to black people than there are about that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that those things have to be equal. That's just not how life works. Some people just naturally care more about other things than other things. That's just natural. That's fine. The issue, though, is there are many people who truly, so for example, I'm not just trying to call them out all the time, but black lives matter. They really say there's no such thing as black and black crime. It's not a major problem. They've actually said this. Well, I disagree with that. Well, yeah, so... Uh, and, the, and, and the reason why um, you said there's no such thing as black and black crime. That's what they were saying. Um, and they say it's not a major issue. Well, I disagree with it on the surface level, but they're saying that it's not a major issue. I disagree with it on a different level in a sense that I don't root crime in color. Mm-hmm. So um, I think if you put any group of people in a very tight-knit community that's underfunded, it's poor, impoverished, unemployed, um, all these things that pretty much are huge obstacles for them to get out, there's, inevitably, there's inevitable crime that's going to happen, no matter the people group, no matter the color. I think when we root behavior in color, that's a racist idea. Well, just, you, you, do you see, you see what I'm saying? Because I, uh, th- let, me, let me just clear mm-hmm. this thought. The reason why I think... I'm not saying that black people don't commit crimes. I'm just saying that crime is not unique to the black skin. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I so think, I, yeah, I, and that's why I think it's important that we don't carry on the narrative that cert, like black people are natural criminals because mm-hmm. then we're, we preface that cr- um, crime with a color when crime should be rooted in multi, it should be multi-ethnic. Of course. You and see what I'm saying? And, and that's not what I'm saying, of course, because that's the case. And I'm, I'm going around killing people too. No, that's not the case, of course. So the argument isn't that black people are more naturally inclined to be criminals. That's not true at all. Um, I, I grew up in Ghana where um, recently crime had, you know, well, it's decreasing now, but for a, for a number of years, crime was really increasing. Um, but I grew up in a very, very poor neighborhood in Ghana. Very little crime happening there. Um, mm-hmm. So that, I would say, is in argument for the fact that clearly black people aren't natural. I mean, you don't even need to be making an argument because it's just ridiculous that mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. is naturally disposed. Uh, well, we are sinners. All of us are sinners, you know, naturally disposed or, or naturally inclined to sin. Mm-hmm. But that's not rooted in color. It's rooted in our humanity, our fallen humanity. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, now, you know, we can, we, we will obviously we won't agree on everything. Um, but I would say that there are other reasons as to why there are more crimes or more violent crimes uh, happening because, um, like for example, just in America, uh, and the numbers are similar to, to, in, to so numbers are also similar in Canada as well too. But in America, um, black people represent, or well, black men represent about six to seven percent of 
the um, of of uh, the population, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, they 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 commit roughly well, I think it's about fifty five percent of the violent crimes, including mm-hmm. murder, and that shows it's a problem. Now we can talk about what the problem is and how to fix it, right? We'll we might disagree on that too, but the point I'm simply trying to make before we get to the whys and the hows is that that is what the numbers are, mm-hmm. right? So because there's that huge disparity, right? I'm just saying that there should be way more attention being focused on that than we are doing now. So for example, there's so many reports of like, you know, some, some groups in Chicago trying to fix what's been happening there just over the past, well, well last weekend, there were 50 people, 50 black people being, you know, that, that were shot, you know, and that it was only a major issue. Uh, well, it was, it was talked about in, uh, in Chicago news, but it wasn't really national news because unfortunately it's become so common. That's part of the issue. But there's so many people out there who are working to fix some of these problems and they say they don't receive a lot of funding or a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. They say that they need more attention, but it's the other, it's the other groups who are more focused on the, you know, quote unquote foreign uh, issues, including like, you know, uh, white people or police brutality, that that's the issue. Now, again, it's not to minimize anything, but their argument would be that there are roughly, I think last year there were nine black people, uh, nine unarmed black people that were uh, shot by cops. And, we don't want obviously any, you know, that's one too many, mm-hmm. um, you know, now anyway, so, so, so that's that. But then there were about 2,500 black people killed by other black people, you know? So the idea is let's fix the most major issues. Mm-hmm. Not saying we shouldn't focus on um, what police may be doing to black people, but let's focus on that, but also focus on all issues, including the, the most, um, you know, important issues or the most, uh, the issue that's killing more black people than anything else. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Yeah. Because like, you don't want to sound like, you know, we're, we're diverting from one issue to another, like putting one issue over another, like, like all crimes in are bad. Right. So we don't want to say that we don't care about police brutality towards black people and kind of like, like a straw man or not a straw man, a red herring and say, okay, well, but look at over there. Look at all the black people killing black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, and that's what a lot of uh, black people are hurt by. And I'm sure hurt, hurt by uh, Sam's article. I'm sure people are hurt by it and, and interpreted it as Sam say saying, um, okay, well, actually no people called me and told me they're mad about Sam say, listen first of all you gotta know sam say he's actually a really nice person he's a he's he's a really really nice person but so you gotta know one before you disagree with him yeah but it's funny but people came to me about the article and and so again it, it looked like sam was saying okay well this you guys you guys need to focus more on black on black crime versus police brutality but I, I, I think there's a time and place for everything. I, I think you mm-hmm. can still handle everything case on a case by case basis. I don't think there's necessarily, and I don't think that's what Sam was saying. Like he said, like I'm not saying one over the other. Right. Just make sure you handle the situation. Even I think that what made the George Floyd case so went go viral was just how grievous it was to watch, mm-hmm. how much it hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it. That's when the when the when the video went viral. That's when it, that's when like the the flames went up, and it's almost like it's one of those things like you can't unsee what you saw, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times with the black mm-hmm. on black crime, you know, those things happen at it's night. Like you know, just no, it, yeah. drive by shooting, yeah. you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, another mm-hmm. day, another number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but 
watching it and that was my issue. So, and that's why um, I said uh, for black Christians, especially um, to really think through the situation because my whole thing is this to, to the listeners and to black Christians. I can't speak to black people that are not saved, that are not Christians because I'm speaking another language, right. right? This is a family thing, right? All of us who are in Christ and we're called to obey the scriptures. So my thing is this. Don't watch the videos. Don't watch the videos. If you're doing journalism or you're doing research or you're the lawyer on the case, watch the video, do your homework, break it down. But psychologically, it's doing damage to black people and white people as well, mm-hmm. right? Because now we're, this is what's bringing about racial trauma. This is what's bringing about uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? People are contacting me and you and you're in there saying yeah like i'm crying this is this is so traumatic for me i'm i'm scared for my life i'm i'm scared for my kids and see these are the issues the mental health issues that we have to take into consideration don't pass on the videos do you think it brings out the trauma or that it amplifies what's already present for most black folks uh no and before you answer that going back to this the statement about uh the black black and black crime Mm -hmm. and um which one's worse, you know, police officers. I think what other people think when they view that as an argument is that they think, well, when black people commit crimes, they get locked up for it. Mm-hmm. They get heavy handedly, you know, yeah, they get, you know, that's, that's what they would yeah. say. And then they would also say that, but these white officers that do these things seem to walk away. Some have go on leave yeah. for committing these things. Right. I mean, the mass incarceration is a huge indication of the fact that black people are, over policed. So, actually, one of the th- comments I made, and, and I probably should have highlighted it more, one of the biggest concerns about black and black crime isn't that black people are just being killed. They're actually, mostly, they don't get solved. Only about 40% of these get solved. And why do you think it doesn't get solved? <laughs> there are a lot of reasons behind it. Um, Stop snitching. Exactly. You, you said it, bro. You said it, bro. So, so okay, yeah, but so no, it, bro. that's fair. Yeah, but that's but that's 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 one aspect of like a, a deeper issue. Yeah, but right? all, but a lot of times it's just a, you know I'll handle it, right? I remember watching an interview with with Zab Judah. Mm-hmm. Some guys robbed him at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. They shot at him, mm-hmm. right? And so the police said, okay, well, you know, who was it? Who was it? Do you know? He's like, yeah, I know, but I'll handle it. Yeah. So, right, so, but, so but that, so that I, but that I'll handle it. I'll handle is it. that said because like in one level it's like now nah, I'm gonna take care of this or is it like I don't trust you police officer no no, no I'll, I'll handle it I'll, I'll take care of my nev- business I know but who then it is we also, but we also have to see that they black people don't trust police officers <laughs> to serve them but, but yeah. I think, they don't I think that's a contradiction though right because you were saying earlier now you know just, just to point it out right mm-hmm. you were saying earlier that police uh, you were implying that police are overly um, policing black yeah. people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that's the case, then isn't that more reason for them to investigate these murders? Because then, by implication, they would then be arresting and charging black black people. See, I would agree with you, but the black body has no value. It's just another body gone. We don't care. That's and that's that's how I feel. That's the sad aspect of it. Because you're right. They should look into it. If the body is worth something, look into it. Who killed this person? Yeah. How can we get yeah, this solved, right? I, and I guess for me, like the way I look at it, it's it's still a case-by-case basis because, like I said, sometimes you know people aren't being cooperative because it's internal. They're like, okay, well, no, we know who it is, mm-hmm. and, and it just goes back and forth. Uh, and I don't have the numbers on it to, to see what it is. But like comparing police brutality to black-on-black crime, um, again, it's, it's always good to handle things case-by-case because you, know, you don't want to... 
I, I don't want to sit here and say, okay, well, one's more important than another, you know? Right. And that's, and that's all I was coming from. Um, but back to your first question about the racial trauma and, um, the, whether uh, it, it comes, yeah, whether it's, 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 it's brought on or it's just amplified I, I, based no, on something that's already no, I, I, there. I, I think, I think it's brought on. Um, but there's an aspect. Yeah. Where it's brought on because like, you know, it's not, it's a dual of both things. So for example, if you experience racism, Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a traumatic experience for some. Not mm-hmm. all. Right? I've experienced mm-hmm. racism. But, you know, I'm sure you've experienced racism. Yeah. yeah. Right? We both, me and you both experienced racism, but we fall on separate sides of the narrative and how we articulate what happened. Mm-hmm. But for those people who, who have experienced racism, racism, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts. And then you couple that with seeing uh, a human being, a black man being uh, tortured and then murdered right in front of your eyes and you're watching it over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, it becomes traumatic. Sure. And so what I'm saying is this. Let's, let's take mental health seriously. Let's take these videos seriously. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, these, are, these are signs that you know you are suffering from racial trauma and you should go get help. Right, so changes in your behavior or actions. So incre- uh, increase or decrease in your activity level. Uh, short temper, nonstop talking, fidgeting, changes in substance use or, or abuse, difficulty communicating or listening, irritability, outbursts of anger, frequent arguments, inability to rest or relax, decline in job performance, ab- absenteeism, uh, frequent crying, hypervigilance or excessive worry, avoidance of activities or places that trigger memories. Uh, becoming accident prone. And so there's also changes in your body physio- physiologically, stomach aches or problems, headaches, um, visual dis- um, disturbances, weight loss or weight gain, sweating or chills, tremors or muscle twitching, being easily startled, chronic fatigue or sleep disturbances, immune system disor- um, disorders. And then there's also changes in your emotion, feeling heroic, mm-hmm. euphoric, uh, denial, worry, anxiety, fear, Confusion, depression, guilt, um, apathy, grief, hopeless or suicidal thoughts, loneliness, and then there's changes in your thinking, memory problems, disorientation and confusion, slow thought process, lack of concentration, difficulty uh, setting priorities or making decisions, loss of objectivity, negative self-talk, negative attitude, poor judgment, lack of self-control, and then there's social aspects, isolation, Blaming, difficulty in giving or accepting support or help, inability to experience pleasure or have fun. Like mm-hmm. these are all things we should take seriously. And, right. and, and, and I know people that have these things. And so I'm not just saying, okay, because I, I read about it, I know about it. I know people who have these things. And so I'm saying, all I'm just saying is like, look guys, cry for, for um, George Floyd, cry for him. Don't watch the video. If if I came to you and I said, "Yo, uh, a black man was killed by a white officer," you would say, "Oh, that's terrible." You wouldn't say to me, oh, "How was it? Did, did 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 he push? Did he push down on his neck? Did 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 you see his feet kicking, Darnell? Was his feet kicking? Well, was there foam coming out of his mouth, Darnell? What did it look? Come on, man, that's inhumane, bro. That's not that's not how we do things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So we want to make sure that, um, especially as Christians, we are um, making sure that our mind stays pure. We're, we're still being careful of what we're taking in mm-hmm. it's not cool to be desensitized to watching murder all the time and i agree with you and i think um i'm not sure who said this but it's like he said that the videos are really not for the black community mm. 
you know and i agree with you we don't we don't really need to fully expose ourselves so there's some videos that i can't fully watch just because of how angry i get dude i stop i stop i don't watch any of the videos i don't i don't watch any of them so even like this is how this is where it's come to for sam says articles he will describe what happened I skip those paragraphs. <laughs> I skip them because I can't handle it. Because yeah, yeah. you know, like Jay Z said, you know, once I get in, I overdo it. Right. Like once I once I see it, I overdo it, and yeah. then I'm then I'm annoying everybody. Yeah, and yeah. and even now, my mental health has been compromised. You see mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so my encouragement to the listener, guys, share articles, share blog posts, share numbers and statistics. Mm-hmm. Do not share the video. Do not share videos of. Stop watching it. Go pray. Ask for the Holy Spirit for discernment not to push play on your Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, get off get off of internet because that's part of the problem, right? Uh, we ha- it, the social media kind of gives us a, a a feeling of righteousness, right? Virtue signaling, right? Right? And like I was saying to my speaking wife, speaking from our Ivy Towers, yeah, 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 right. So, so part of it is uh, think about this as a Christian. Things go viral in our newsfeed. Do the king the, does the kingdom of God does the things of God will it ever go viral in our newsfeed? Mm. No. Souls being saved, churches being planted, will that ever go viral in our newsfeed? Mm. No, right? So 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 there's a point where you have to think about how you're interpreting your reality and the information that we're taking in. Well, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with what we're about. So make sure that you can still come off the um, social media and be able to go into the real world and actually do the things that mm-hmm. you feel like you should be doing versus right. just retweeting and sharing. That's not enough. So one of the things I want to add to what Darnell is saying is for many uh, understandable reasons, uh, it's, it's natural um, in light of historical events for a lot of black people, for us that when we see this video, we see it as we only we black people are the ones that are devastated by it. Um, I know um, some of some friends who are cops or uh, friends whose children are cops and they're it's, it's actually kind of interesting from their perspective how devastating it is for them in, in a unique way that I can't understand because they are cops and they're heartbroken not only are they seeing a human being killed they're seeing one of their own you know being killed uh, killing another carrying person carrying it out yeah but one of the things is we black people we sometimes think that we're the only person that can see that video and be horrified uh, I have a, a, a friend of mine <laughs> Uh, she's a. I, I'm laughing as I say it because she's Dutch. She, she is white, <laughs> you know. And um, she called me and uh, she was just talking to me and uh, she was telling me there's someone that she knows who's been shaming her for being silent on this thing. Um, that she's a pro-life girl and she's like, well, her friends are saying, well, if you're a pro-life, why aren't you saying anything about this? She's all quiet. She's shaming her. She calls me. She's like, Sam, I've been crying. You know, I've been devastated by this. I can't forget all this. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. I know it's very hard for you that your friend is saying. This. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm not devastated because of what she's saying. I'm devastated because when I saw the video, I can't sleep anymore. I, I, I'm trying to work, but the video and, 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 and George Floyd's voice is in my head all the time. So here she is, mm-hmm. and she's being quiet because she doesn't know how to artic- articulate her thoughts. And she's just trying to be slow to speak. Mm-hmm. But now, all the black people who think that she can't possibly understand how they feel are shaming her while she's mourning and grieving herself. And that's part of the sad thing about all of this, that we can't even grieve together anymore as a Christian people or even as just human beings because a lot of us think that 
there's a division in even how white people and black people. Now, some black people can be callous and not care. I'm sure, I mean, there are racists out there, right? They might celebrate this. That is true. There's some black people out there who may not care either, right? Mm-hmm. It's, so that is all true. But let's assume the best of each other. Let's consider the other person more significant than ourselves. Let's hope all things, endure all things. And you know what? I agree with you. I think her uh, her response is very appropriate. Um, and for for every one of those friends that you just you, that you just described, there's probably like ten or more than that, more people that are white people that I see online that are very callous in their comments. You know, that make it about. Um, oh, uh, what did he do before he got, he got mm-hmm. like, let's look at his history, which is irrelevant yeah. to the case. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think there's a book, Wide Awake by Daniel Hill. One thing he says, he quotes James Baldwin and James Baldwin says, to be black and conscious in America is to be almost in rage all the time. And then he puts it for his white counterparts and he says, to be white and conscious in America is to be in lament almost all the time, which I thought was so profound. Because if our brothers and sisters in Christ who are white, who see these things and know that they're wrong, we should allow them to lament. We don't need to, we, we don't need to tell them, well, you have to say this. I think most of the criticism that people have is white leaders in church, in the church that don't say anything. And that, I think, is what gets people enraged because they'll, they're free to talk about other things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to race, they'll never touch it. They won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I, I almost want to, I wonder why. Because it seems like, the, and this is in the beginning of our conversation, we talked about why is race like tied up in identity politics? Race should be bipartisan. It should be. Do you know what I mean? And if we in the church recognize that race is really an attack on the Imago Dei, the image of image image of God in yeah. the human being, yeah. then we would be outraged. And there's so much that I would be outraged if somebody treated my white brother mm-hmm. wrong because they're associating my white brother with mm-hmm. white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? I think, and I, I'm I, I'm I'm with you. The 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 difficulty of it though is, what if they say the exact same things that I say? What I mean is, what if they say now, when George Floyd was killed, I didn't come out and say, "Oh, guys, was racism." I didn't do that. I was horrified by it. I said, this is, this, is a, this is wrong, this is an injustice and all that. But what if they don't say he was killed or murdered because of racism? Now, they don't need to come out and say that. But what if all they say is it's an injustice that George Floyd was killed? Would that be sufficient? And from what I'm seeing, it's not. Because that's why I'm saying that, because let's face it, now, I know some white pastors, some white leaders or, you know, Christian leaders are very much in agreement with a lot of, um, you know, black people on this issue, believing that it was racism, as in both, both of these mm-hmm. uh, murders, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. But there are others who would say it's a horrific injustice, but I don't know that it was racism. I don't know. I think that I would be in sin if without evidence I say it's racism. Yeah. So then if they're quiet about it, perhaps it's actually because of love. Perhaps they're saying, I disagree with the idea that it was racism. So you know what? Without Because I don't want to offend some, some of my black brothers, I'll just be quiet in this case out of, out of love for them. Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I, I, I want to nuance that. Let me know if I'm misrepresenting you. But I think there's, there's, a, there's a, another half to what you're saying. Like, yes, they don't say anything. 
but I think they're free not to say anything because of you. And right. by that, you mean just pastors in general? Pardon? You mean by that yeah, because, white pastors in general? Yeah, because like I said, at the start of the conversation, you know, well, why aren't pastors saying anything? And I said, because the guys like me and Danfi. Because mm. the guys like you, like, and, that, and that's where we, we have to look at this. Like, and, and, uh, and I said this before that, okay, so for example, like, you know, on the Six Ed Support is me and Joel, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and so Joel is white for you guys who don't know. And so, you know, Joel can say something and then I'll say the exact same thing, but it's received totally different. Right. Mm. Right. And I notice that sometimes I'll say the same thing. They'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I see what Darnell's saying. And they hear what Joel say. They're like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. So we have to, we have to paint a picture in our mind that for white people, um, yeah, they get behind, they got to get behind one of the two narratives, Mm -hmm. right? They got to get behind the popular narrative of, um, black people been broke, busted and disgusted and they need, white support and then there's those who don't believe that yeah i'm glad they're not right and that's why and that's why they feel comfortable not yeah. coming out because they're like well sam said that i don't have to come out and if i do come out you know it is what it is and not just that so so he's right about that i get a lot of emails from pastors and trust me pastors are thinking about this stuff they're struggling. They're trying to figure out what to do. And there, some of them are asking me. I today I got two two emails saying like, "What do I do?" And uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can just tell them uh, the best way I can. But at the same time, they just have to preach the text and just be as honest as they can with about their thoughts. But th- just to add to yeah. that, um, the reason why I feel. Uh, the reason why, and I don't say everything I believe, but I say certain things because I know I can say it. It's easier for me to say it than other people. But at the same time, and some of them also see that even though I'm black, I still get called certain names too by other black people who disagree with me. And they see that, wait a minute, if I'm getting attacked, you know, uh, using racial slurs against me for what I'm saying, well, what about them when they're, when they're white? How will, how will some people perceive what they're saying? Even when they're simply saying, I'm just trying to be faithful to both my black brothers and Christians, but also to the scriptures. Yeah. But see, Sam, this is where we have to nuance the conversation in that. So for example, I don't hold to the traditional black narrative of what's going on. So for a person who's not my brother in Christ, another black person, they can call me a coon an uncle Tom. Right. Mm-hmm. And so forth. Cause I'm not their brother, but for another black person that I disagree with who's in Christ, he can't call me those names because I'm his brother. You see what I'm saying? Because, yes, yeah. because we're brothers, brothers in Christ, like even though um, I, might not, I might not hold to a, a, a non-traditional view of, of the black experience, I'm still, you know, that's, you know, they're like, you know, people know me. They're like, man, that's just Darnell. You know, that's just Darnell. You know, he means well, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go as far to call him a coon. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I think it's important to make sure that our conversation is in-house mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters in Christ, white and black, and that um, we are free to disagree without the name calling, including including the white pastors. Mm-hmm. So even amongst a black person and a white person having a conversation, um, the white person won't be called a racist. You'll just be called brother. Br- brother who's who's who's... Probably well, confused. and this. Let me ask this question before mm-hmm. the conversation moves on. Mm-hmm. I want to know how do you guys define what a racist is? What is racism? 
Okay. In, in definition. Right. So according to the scripture, where you want to use the scripture to define mm-hmm. our, um, our reality, God is the ultimate reality. Therefore, his word is truth and his word defines what is true. Uh, so if we go to Acts 17, so y- y- y'all going to need your Bibles for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop Darnell Sims. Darnell. Yeah, so go to, <laughs> if you go to Acts 17 verses. Uh, read 20, it for us. Or read it. <laughs> read. All right, so Acts 17, 26 to 27, and it says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And this is the purpose for why he did that. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and, and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. And so what we're seeing here is the first part is just talking about from one man. Mm-hmm. So that tells you what race is. One race. Mm-hmm. Human race. In Eden. Now, for some people will say, well, you know, well, the first man comes from Africa. Mm-hmm. Right? But the Bible says the first man came from Eden. Eden. Yeah. So when we talk about history, when does, when does history start? When God said, let there, yeah, yeah. yeah. God said, let there be light in Eden. I agree. That's where, that's where our history starts. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they get kicked out of Eden. Someone ends up in Africa. Okay, you can start there. You want to start there? You can start there. That's cool. I'm not, you know, you can do that. But we want to make sure that we're using biblical language to interpret our reality. So that's why I'm saying from one man, one race, one human race. And then the second part we see here is every nation of mankind. And that nation, that, I, that word nation is where we get the word ethnic, which is the Greek ethnos. So we see different types of na- um, nationalities, ethnicities, ethnicities right. right? So we have, what does that mean? That's, that's Jamaicans, Trinidadians, Ghanaians, Nigerians. And we all know, we all know what these terms mean. You can't confuse a Jamaican with a Trinidadian. <laughs> One, one, they will be offended. Yeah, yeah. And two, you know, anybody who's Trini, the, Trini people sing oh when God they talk. <laughs> they sing when they talk. Right, right. That's but, true. but, but they sound different. We eat. They have different foods, and, and they want to be honored as a Trinidadian. Jamaicans, true. you already know, and I'm sure you guys, you know, Ghanaians and Nigerians. Yes. You want Sam and sure. I are on the same team on this. Yeah, one. Y'all <laughs> yeah we're on the same team right? on this. Yeah, one. yeah. So, and, and and that's all. You know, yes. Okay, yes. We like us three. Yes, we look alike. Okay, yeah. Right. Our, hey, our, we don't our, all look alike, man. Huh? Well, I mean, well, okay, well, I mean, our, that's our a racist idea. Okay, well, I, I mean, well, I, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, uh, essentially, we look alike, but but we still yeah, come yeah. from no um, fair enough from different backgrounds. So we want to make sure that we honor that and we nuance our conversation. Sure. Yes. Okay. There's black guys in the room doing a, a podcast. Fine. There's black guys in a pod. Sure. But yeah, now once you really start breaking it down, you're like, okay, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. These right. guys are from different places. And then the the last part is that it says here, he's having determined allotted periods and boundaries. So God has allotted our, our, um, our, the periods that we will live in and the boundaries from which, how far we'll go. So it's very important to draw back and look at God has appointed where we will start, mm-hmm. not the white man. God mm-hmm. has determined and appointed where mm-hmm. we will end, mm-hmm. not the white man. Right. That means there is a hope. And so the point I'm making is that um, for for my for the listeners, I want to make sure that you are not buying into this narrative of um, a problem that can't be solved. So we have to really think about okay, 
the problem that this person is presenting to me, is there a solution to it? Because as Christians, uh, we're not just called to point out sin. We're called to point out the solution to sin. Sure. So when any time, and this is and this is a this one's for free. Here's a here, here, here's a, here's a tip and trick, right? And anybody sends you a message, um, or any kind of meme or video, you ask them like, "This is great, but what is the solution to this problem?" Because if you haven't thought about the solution to this problem, then you're not thinking at all. Right? What is the solution to the problem? Because mm-hmm. we all have a responsibility to love. And when you're acting in a loving situation, we're here to see results, and God has given us those results. To uh, add to that and to answer your question, uh, in, in light of what he just said, too, about what is racism, um, well, some would define it differently now, but I'll give you a simple um, answer, and I'll give you a theological answer. Simple answer is anybody who believes that somebody of another, I wouldn't say race because there's no such thing as race, but someone of a different ethnicity, um, if they believe that that person is inferior to them mm-hmm. and if they hate them because of their ethnicity or skin color. Sure. That's, I'll give you, that's a general way I would mm-hmm. uh, um, define it. But theologically, and that being the most important thing, I define racism as just a form of hatred or pride mm-hmm. and pride, pride and hate. So because of that, and um, I don't plan to have a lot of controversial views, <laughs> but I tend to, um, is I don't see racism as any different. I mentioned this in uh, the article, um, but I don't, see any, I don't see racism as different than me hating someone because that person's short, right? Now, historically, Yes, one has been um, more oppressive than the other. But biblically, when I stand before God and I hate someone because that person is short or because they're skinny or because they don't make good jalaf or, or whatever <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> or if I even hate a racist because they're racist, right. that's still sin. Right. And so I look at it as hatred. Because uh, biblically, that is a category for racism. Right. And, I, and I agree. I think I agree with all your definitions. I think uh, racism is synonymous for hatred. Um, where I would make the definition more deeper is that, like you just espoused through the scriptures, ethnicity is what spread through the world, mm. right? Mm. Um, race is a social construct. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. And as I well. think, and I think we've been racially socialized. I agree. Right. And and if you look at the American history, this is why going back to you made a comment about some of these white pastors that like they might look at these incidences and think it's just an injustice. They don't see race. It's because the most American thing is race. It's the, it's the most American thing. I would say it's a second amendment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the reason, the reason why I say that, because if you look at their history in the beginning, like Irish people were slaves. They were treated mm-hmm. as indentured servants mm-hmm. along with African-Americans equally mm-hmm. ostracized by the larger group. Mm-hmm. And then it came to, a, it, it, it was so much, the hatred was so much that they formed bonds with African-Americans. They lived in the same communities. And then in 1800s, there became a narrative that came out that the social construct of race, where it became white and black. Mm -hmm. And then the Irish pulled themselves away because now they fit in the larger group Mm -hmm. of whiteness. Mm -hmm. Italians have been discriminated in the beginning when they first came over. Jewish people. Mm -hmm. But now they all assume the the race of what? White. White. 
And so when I say like we're racially socialized, now the white group becomes the right group. You know, the ones that are the the more endowed with godly, you know, with with more human. Because even in the, uh, in the Constitution, it said that blacks were actually three-fifths human. Do you um, know what I mean? Well, that actually was a reference uh, to no, taxes. That's horrible. It, yeah, it was. Say, horrible, I know. I know some people yeah. use that to to say that it was to taxes. But if you read a lot of the narratives within American culture, blacks have been always there've been caricatures of like monkeys. You know, just less human. You know, and then the reason why I also think that some of these instances we can't just say race is not a factor is because America, even within the church, you know, there were churches that hung black bodies outside of the the church. There's one incident where the, a black woman was pregnant. This is this goes back to the abortion situation. A black woman was pregnant, hung outside of a church, and they ripped the fetus out of her stomach. That's Mary Turner. I'm familiar with. And that, that's yeah. that's hor- And then you you look back and you think, how can white people who believe in the gospel that we're espousing now do these things? Mm-hmm. It's it's like my it's hard 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 for, you, hard for you to wrap your mind around. And the reason why they did this is because they bought into the narrative that they were superior to blacks. Mm-hmm. So that can justify the hate. Mm-hmm. Even slave owners, they would call their slaves property and say, I can do whatever I want with my property. Mm-hmm. The moment you view somebody as human, sharing the same value that you have, it's harder. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's impossible, it's harder to brutalize them. You know, mm-hmm. And then you think about just the history of, of, of how a so- society was set up to benefit the white counterparts. And my philosophy is that we need to create a society that is anti-racist. I'm using this off a book I read of, by Ibram Kendi, where he argues that um, the goal is anti-racism, to create a world that seeks equitableness for everybody, irregardless of their race. So we need to stop defining racism as like a, a racist, as a slur, because that's how often people use it. Because race, racism is just a descriptor. It's an adjective. It's a sin. It, it, it is a sin and it describes somebody. So one person, this is the thing that I think is hard for people to conceive is that you can be a racist in one moment and be an anti-racist in another moment. You see what I'm saying? You'd have to uh, explain. So that. by that, I mean like you can, you can perpetuate a racist ideology in a moment and then you can change your mind and be an anti-racist and, th- and, and change your complete position. It's possible because it's not like it's, it, it's a default or you're hardwired to be this all the time. Well, that's because we're, I mean, that's true for every kind of sin though, right? Um, I could be stealing something one minute and I could, the next minute I wouldn't be stealing, right? So, so like, yeah, so we are all, you know, you know, human a sin is very complex. Well, it's not complex and it's very simple that we, we desire and sin all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So so what do you so so what what are you getting at in regards to the definition? So what I'm saying is our definitions need to be bigger than that one person, that individual that I can separate from myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, cuz he's a racist. Okay, so you're saying Because that, it's much larger than that. Okay, so you're saying that racism is exists exists outside of the person. Yes. Absolutely. In fact, the person who acts on a racist an incident is drawing from a greater narrative. Mm-hmm. They're not just, it's not a moment of just, I want to hate this person because they look, no, they're drawing from a, a narrative that they believe that they've been told. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's, that's what I'm getting at is that we need to create an anti-racist environment 
So society. How, how, how would you propose that? So even, okay, so sometimes most people think that, um, I'm going to speak specifically for the church. Mm-hmm. We think that, okay, to bring about diversity, we need to, a, a white pastor might think, with the best intentions, let me hire a black pastor to show diversity within the leadership. That's a good move. But first of all, if you hire a black pastor, right, is he free to be black? <laughs> what, a, what does that mean? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> do, they, do, do they bleach his skin? No, or, no, no. Uh, is he free <laughs> yeah. to speak freely about some of the things that plagues him? Well, that's not blackness though, right? No, no. I'm just saying. It's, uh, I'm going to a greater truth. So right. what I'm saying is that if, if a white pastor doesn't deal with white supremacy within his church, when he hires a black pastor who comes in and then starts to talk about that, the congregation might be like lost. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was he? He's trying to, he's being divisive. But if a white pastor has already established a narrative that there is no such thing as white supremacy in this body, mm-hmm. you are not greater than your neighbor here. You see what I'm saying? Then when you bring representation for people in your church that might look different from, from the majority of the people, mm-hmm. there isn't a friction because we've all been prepared and conditioned to lament that our culture that tells us that one person is greater than the other. You know? And Except then we can. To, to to be black um but even then again like again this is where the the term race falls short because there is no way to act black there's a way to act jamaican there's oh a, there, no there is because i you know I'm, I, okay. you can even attest to this you can and you can tell me your stories uh-huh. i often hear oh wow Danfi, you're so well spoken i'm sorry what do you mean by that you're so well spoken. No, don't give him that. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, do you mean yeah. by that? What are you saying? Oh, Danfi, you know how many times if actually when I was at university, you know what I heard? I, this this quote still rings true in my mm-hmm. head. Danfi, you're a white girl's black man. Woo! Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know what? That is the most racist comment I've oh ever heard. Gosh. Yeah, that's wrong. That's that racist. means I can bring you home to my parents because you're yeah. you, you ain't like those. That's racist. Other, yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. but hold on. Though. But the difference between what that particular example and the other example about being so well spoken is the the latter example about being the white man's black, uh, being the white woman's black. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I won't lie, bro. That that's not the harsh one, bro. I'm telling you, <laughs> but. But well, it depends what kind of white girls you're talking about. There's some, yeah, because there's some ghetto black yeah, white girls. No, I know they probably think I'm yeah, not black yeah, enough. Know, that's for yeah, sure. But but the issue with that is, it's very clear what they're saying is wrong, right? That's a wrong thing to say. Period. Do they know that though? But the, no, no, no. Now whether whether they know it, yeah, whether they know it or not, it's wrong, right? So that one we can just know. That's even if they had good intentions, whatever. I mean, it, it's a sinful thing to say. You don't say that. The other example, though, about you being well-spoken, to believe that's wrong implies that what they said comes with your... It, we have to assume they had bad intentions behind it. Mm-hmm. And perhaps they did, mm-hmm. but we don't know that. And that's where scripture is very important. We should be slow to take offense. We should be sure. uh, hoping all things, enduring all things. So even if that offends me, and, it's, and, and it might be okay, you know, some of us we can we can't bear certain things. That's fine, and God is gracious in that. If it offends us, let's take it to God and let's cover their sin. Well, not sin, cover the offense. Yeah, cover the sure. offense. Yeah. But I would I would say it would be wrong for us then to say that it's sinful if we think or are racist. If we think so, just ask them. Hey, why are you saying this? Then maybe they'll tell you why. Maybe it's because you're Ghanaian or something like. Oh well, you know, um, 
they don't, they don't know. I don't, I don't know because some people don't know that I was I came here when I was so young. They might think I came here just a year ago, right? And they would think so. I mean, there just could be there could be just so many reasons behind it. I think, um, and I, I'm not saying someone should. So you said given the it. given the benefit of the doubt. Well, well, exactly. not, well not just benefit. Sure, exactly. of the, not not even just the benefit of the doubt. I think because what we're talking about is microaggressions, right? For those people who don't know, it's called a microaggression, where. Um, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, to write the right word. I'm, I have that over my head, but basically the way how I say, because I don't, for lack of a better term, you know, white people don't know how to act. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, 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 that's how we say it, right? They don't know how to act because like sometimes, you know, and it's true, like it's funny, but like, it's not even just white people, like Asian people don't know how to act. Like they, they do that too. Like right. they'll come to my wife and say, okay, wow, your hair looks awesome and touch her hair. And then me and Tyra will look at each other and just laugh and be like, yo, yo, Chinese people don't know how to act. You know what I mean? Like, because you know what? Let's be honest. You know, like, like it's a lot of the experience. There's not a lot of us. There's not a lot of us. So people don't get to, they don't, a lot of them don't get to experience the black experience. Right. For, Mm -hmm. for white people who grew up around black people, they already know what it is. They're like, yo, 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 don't do that, man. Yeah. Don't put your hand in the black man's hair. Come on, man. You know better than that. Right. So, so, Part of it is just culture. They don't. They they haven't been socialized around us. We haven't been socialized around them. Me being around a lot of Indian people from Brampton. Exactly. I did an episode on the Sixth Sense report on black on on brown p- privilege because mm-hmm. I live in Brampton. There's a lot of brown people, so I'm the minority among a majority minority, mm-hmm. right? And so when I'm around like any people, and you know, uh, uh, sometimes I see them eating with their fingers. They're eating the food with their fingers. We do that. Sam knows about that. Yeah, no, no, no. Why you trying to spoil this? Nah, we do that, man. Nah, well, you can't nah. eat fufu with <laughs> a spoon, <laughs> man. You can't eat dokkuna with a with <laughs> a spoon. These Jamaicans think they're better than us. I know, man. What are you What are you saying right now, man? Yo, we're guarding the brown people right now because we do that. Relax, okay? Don't come for us, man. No, but you know, but part of it, if you're not socialized around a particular people, and that's why I understand. So that's why I don't I don't believe in microaggressions. Some people just don't know. They don't know. How to act around you So But what is it Why don't they know Because they're in the majority Yeah yeah. Well they're in the majority Is that their fault No it's not It's just one of those things Where where, I'll give you an example And and you're right In the same way So for example Like being Ghanaians Right You are Right And Fanti And Fanti as well So so I'm full Fanti You're half Fanti There's some Ashantis That's a larger uh, Majority tribe Mm -hmm. In uh in Ghana, that's usually the the annoying Ghanaians. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, they sometimes don't know some of the things. Now, you know, we we are an Akan people. We're very, very Mm -hmm. similar. But some differences between the Fantis and the Ashantis. And sometimes they may make comments that could offend me, but I just know they just don't know that. They just don't understand that. So the majority culture is usually going to be more ignorant about the the minority culture. But since we're the minority culture, we know we're much more exposed to majority culture, so we know them better. How to navigate it, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think even in that, we have to be, you know, gracious and understanding. And now, not, you know, sometimes it's so plainly wrong, but when we feel wrong, and if we don't know for sure, let's ask questions or assume the best of them. Yeah, and, and, and part of it too is like, for me coming from where i'm coming from in my experience so like because because you, you say like the black experience but you know there's some black people who didn't grow up with the black experience so they don't know what it is to quote unquote you know be black so the analogy you talk about where the pastor hires the black guy um and a lot of times they like if there's two black guys that come in <laughs> and one is darnell you know one is darnell and then one is you know somebody who's not darnell you know, he's going to pick the guy who's not Darnell because he fits into that culture. But people right. will look at me 
and they'll be like, yeah, look at his hair, look at his tattoos, look at his piercings, look how, listen to how he talks. Yeah, I want, I want him. And you know, the pastors know when they're hiring; they already know who what they're getting. And that's why I, I think it's just very important to make sure that we're we're nuancing the conversation, um, so we're not missing. Because I, like, I I don't want to say um, you're acting black. Because even like for example, I've I've received a lot of microaggressions. Does it show? Ask me, does it show? Asking my white friends, does it show? No, it doesn't show, right? Because my, I, don't, I don't have racial trauma. I don't have racial baggage, right? Jesus Christ has, has restored my heart. My heart is new. But there are black people, and I'm giving a warning to white people right now. I hope you have a notepad. <laughs> I hope you have a notepad, okay? <laughs> there's, there's black people who've been hurt by racial trauma. They're wounded. Do not approach them. They're like a wounded dog. You try to pet them, they will bite your hand. You can only approach black people who have been restored. So you have to know who you're dealing with. So your friend who was getting roughed up by that black girl or whatever the case may be, maybe she shouldn't go to that person. Like come to me or go to somebody else. So if, if, you, if you are friends with a black person who's been restored, who has been healed by Christ, who doesn't have racial trauma, you can, you can come to me. You or can, rather working through the racial trauma. Yeah, well, again. You can but, be in Christ and still have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 that's right. You're, you're still in Christ and still have it, but you, have, but you still have healing to, to go through. And I'm saying there's, you know, we know this. You know, you can't talk to certain black people, man. You can't. You know what I mean? Men, some are too, are too heated. They get too heated. They're too offended. You know what I mean? You, you talk to them about, about, you know, your hair. Or, you know, or this, this white person said, oh, you know, this. I'm like, come on, man. Like, come on, man. They don't, they don't know how to act. They're, they're, they're from Kingston. They don't know. They don't know. They haven't. The only black people they've been seen is on TV. And maybe they might be one of those super Christian people who were homeschooled and didn't watch any TV. Those are the worst. Super Christian. Those are the worst. Because, yeah, because me and you, we went to Tyndale, right? We and you went to Tyndale. So, you know, some of those people... They chose Tyndale because it's a small school. It's a small right, community. right. And right. they come from a very far place where there ain't no black people. So when they, you know, they get Tyndale, they see mm-hmm. some. It's just like, oh, okay, um, yeah, we're like a specimen to them. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know, and and hopefully you know those Christians are being gracious, where they'll be like, uh, yo, you know, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, where white people says, yo, can I ask you a question? You know, you know, you know that. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Let me ask you a question. You know, I don't want to offend you, but you know, is it true that you know, black men are big down there, right? You get that question. It's just so racist. Well, well, no, well, it's not racist. It's not racist. The the word on the street that's circulating. It's 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 racist in the sense that it's sexualized black men. Well, well, and now and now we works to our advantage. Can I keep it 100? We're going sideways. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not going sideways. We're going straight. We're going sideways. Let's keep it 100. We're going sideways. No, we're going straight. I'm blushing. You can't even see it. Sam and I can't handle this. Yo, let's keep it 100. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. So I'm going to keep it 100. So there are racial stereotypes that work for us and ones that don't. That's that's with any minority group. Okay, but which ones work for us? Ours, the ones that are negative that are labeled no, upon let, us. No, let's talk about the positive. The ones. ones oh, well, we're bad, we're good dancers. We're good with the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, oversexualized, like, oversexualized, oversexualized. Uh, really good athletes, right? And 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 you know what? So you'll say, actually wait. I know what you're saying, but I wouldn't say that being overly sexualized is a positive. It's not a positive for me. It's not a positive. Of course, because we're redeemed and we're in no, Christ. No, but, no, but hold no, on, because no, but, no, hold on, stop. I'm talking about life before Christ. I don't know, you guys probably grew up grew up under the cross. I didn't grow up under the cross. I can't, I didn't grow up under the cross. I grew up in the world, all right? So the way how that worked was I got my pickings and it was nice. 
It was wonderful. I got it was just I, some confession time with well, Darnell. No, but you know what? But people are confession listening, and, and they want they want us to be. We definitely authentic. reached over an hour. That's another episode all together. <laughs> okay, all maybe together. I should stop. Okay. So, what we should do? Because I'm enjoying the conversation. But what we should do is, yeah. we want to talk about how do we move forward with these. This conversation <clears throat> uh-huh. is at the forefront. Mm-hmm. What do we do moving forward? How do we navigate? Mm these troubled waters how do we engage with people who want to learn or people who are just completely ignorant and decide and want to stay that way you know how do we how do we deal with this everyone just you know round it up yeah well right now as people are you know um devastated by what's happening and there's riots and there's shame and shaming going on and accusations and all that in the world of darkness, we need to be the light. You know, we we cannot join the darkness. We cannot join the the you know the woke white people. Join the woke black people. Join the non woke black people, or join the non woke. Just be a Christian. Just be godly. You know, love all people. Be angry, but do not sin. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that's been so hard. Uh, look. <laughs> I've gotten very used to social media uh, in terms of the chaos that a lot of it, you know, brings. But I'm rarely fatigued, but I've been very fatigued. Um, yeah, it, it's been difficult. And mm-hmm. Not just on social media, just everywhere, right? Uh, but then again, most of our talks right now are on social media because, you know, of uh, social distancing. Yeah, COVID. But with all that being said, be angry, mourn, just don't sin. You know, um, keep the video of George Floyd, if you can handle it, in mind, but don't forget your Bible. Obey what it says. Love all people. And then as we're doing that, remember, remember, this is not our world. This is Canada, America, Ghana, Jamaica. That is, this is not where we, this is, we're not citizens of these nations. Our true citizenship is in heaven. And we are awaiting the day where our king will return. And then when that happens, we're going to remember. Well, now we should remember mm-hmm. that he will establish a kingdom made up of Jamaicans, Ghanaians, even Nigerians, <laughs> <laughs> even the Trinidadians. Um, but all groups, and some of these people will be black white some of them would have struggled with bitterness some of them would have struggled with racism all these things Mm -hmm. let's keep our eyes focused on christ Mm -hmm. because if we keep our eyes focused on our skin color and all these things it's gonna cause more this all this stuff started because people said i'm going to justify slavery by saying those people are black they are not worthy of being free Mm -hmm. That's how it all started because one man or some men were looking at the skin colors of other people to justify their sin. We need to, so we, we should not follow suit. Let's look to Christ and let's love all people. And remember that this is not our home. Our home is in the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, and I would say that, you know, looking at this case and everybody's going to be looking close at the case and wrestling with, with the issues regarding the judicial system. So there's a verse in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15, and it says, 
You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. And so I will let you guys fill in the gaps there with who the poor guy is in the case and who the rich guy is in the case and that we're looking at it and not making any hasty judgments and we're not showing favor to either sides because a lot of times what we end up doing is showing favor uh, to the underdog Mm -hmm. for for lack of a better term. And so we want to make sure that um, we're, we're looking at things honestly and from a balanced perspective so, like, for example, like you guys talked about earlier in the start with, with, with was it a racial issue or was it not? And so, but then, you know, there's another instance where we have this guy named uh, Joseph Hutchinson, a white man who was killed by a black man in the exact same way as George Floyd, where the black officer put his knee in the neck of uh, Joseph Hutchinson and he died. Right? Same way, in the same way... Um, George Floyd died. So if you're going to say that George Floyd was a racially motivated, what would you say about Hutchison's situation? Because if you're going to say both of them were racist, then you're a racist because you're judging them based on their color. You're prejudging, which is what that's what prejudice means is to prejudge. If you're saying that, um, that George, George's situation was race racially motivated. His killer was racially motivated and Hutchison's wasn't because he was black then you have a definition of racism that says it's prejudice plus power, right? Which is white supremacy because the assumption is that white people are always in supremacy, right? The, the, the last option you have is to say, okay, well, fine. Neither, because we don't know, right? We can assume that racism could have been a factor, but we just don't know. So we want to make sure that we're being gracious and that we are um, keeping that same energy as we say in the streets, Keep that same energy. As Christians, keep that same energy of love. Cry over George. Grieve over George. But also cry over Hutchison. Grieve mm-hmm. over Hutchison and ask why isn't Hutchison's video going viral? And why aren't you sharing that? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We must not be partial in our love towards other people. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, uh, if you go to Deuteronomy um, chapter 19, verse 18 to 19, and it says, The judges shall inquire diligently And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And this is how we handle witnesses. So ask yourself this. If God is our judge and he comes to judge us and he says, yo, did you witness uh, Derek Chavon kill George uh, Floyd? Right? And knowing that you will save, be able to switch with them, can, can you vouch for that? You say, okay, yes, fine. Okay, can you also vouch that uh, Derek Chavon's motivation was racially motivated, knowing that you can switch with him and God's judging your heart and his heart? Can you, can you, can you vouch for that? If you can't, then you must speak graciously about the whole situation and that we can't be quick to throw stones. Right, So all I'm just saying is this for us to make sure that we're using the scriptures to define our reality because God is the ultimate reality and his word is truth. I know it's hard, so make sure you're praying for eyes to see and ears to hear. That's all good. Thank you guys for sharing. And uh, for me to conclude, I think um, the most important thing is to, ha- is to communicate. Communicate um, because it's hard to hate somebody you talk to. Mm. And 
I even see on my Facebook or wherever you're at. Don't be quick to just unfollow somebody that disagrees with you. Keep them around because they might share a funny meme you might like or you might agree with them on something else. Mm. But you have to communicate. You have to be that voice that's challenging their narrative and you have to consider, is there something they're saying that's true? So communication is huge. Another thing I would say is lament. Lament. Um, The Western world is built on always winning we don't know how to lament i don't know how to lament so i would just give a little description of what lament looks like um, which is given by dan allender he says it is crucial to comprehend a lament is as far from complaining or grumbling as a search is from aimless wandering a grumbler has already reached a conclusion shut down all desire and postures with questions that are barely concealed accusations A lament involves even deeper emotion because a lament is truly asking, seeking, and knocking to comprehend the heart of God. Mm. A lament involves the energy to search, not to shut down the the quest for truth. It is a passion to ask rather than to rant and rave with already reached conclusions. A lament uses the language of pain, anger, and confusion and moves towards God. And this is huge. Mm. Our lament has to move us towards God and towards each other. Um, and I think this is key for all of us and also recognize that racism will always be around, but you can be the agent that fights against it. And that is a hope that Christ gives us. And that is a hope that we can give the world. All right. Thanks guys for coming on. Appreciate yeah, th- thanks you guys. For having yeah. us. Thanks for I loved you before. I love you even more now, man. Yeah, man. No, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're brothers for life, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks a lot, Demphi. Yep.